guys welcome. Um, my name is John Crisp. A lot of you guys call me Crispy. That's cool too. Uh, but I'm the young adults pastor here, and, and uh, I don't know. It's been uh, it's been an interesting holiday season. You know, we've had some things going on, and and uh, it's kind of been a mixture of highs and lows, right? I don't know if you guys have kind of been the same way, but in in our house, it's kind of been some highs and some lows, and and. Uh, but God is good, right? God is good. Uh, a few weeks ago, I got a chance to go for a prayer retreat. I just wanted to say thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to go do that. And um, there is a uh, there's a book that I have. So I, anybody in here collect books? Like weird. Okay, so we have a few folks. Like you guys have first editions? Any first editions? Like do you guys have you have a first edition of what? What is it? Oh. <laughs> So I have a first edition of this book that's from like 1890, and uh, it was given to us by some friends who knew that my wife and I just really cherish books. Anyway, um, so I'm looking at this book, and, and I'm like scared to even touch it, but I just opened the front cover, and you guys know what they call that in the middle, like when somebody writes in the margins, they call that marginalia, and I love like seeing what other people got out of certain things, you know, different different truths and things like that. And um, so there's this, there's this uh, uh, handwriting. It was beautiful. So it must have been a, a lady, right, that, that wrote this. But um, sh- she wrote, as you, is that, is that bad? No. Okay. Um, as you lay yourself upon the altar, expect the fire. And I've, I've talked about that quote before. It's something that's always meant a lot to me. Um, and... As I was at this prayer retreat and just spending time with Abba, I had like all the lights out and there's this candle. I'm just spending time with him and I just saw like the wick and the, the fire just consumed the wick. And uh, he reminded me of that quote and, and uh, it just meant a lot. And so anyway, that was just what God spoke to me in that moment. And it was really profound because um, sometimes it's, you know, we go through these seasons where we have COVID and, and there's there's so much difficulty and and you're praying for different health issues, and it seems like you're just fighting these spiritual battles on every single front, and it gets exhausting sometimes. And And it was just so encouraging for Abba to come in there and say, look, as you lay yourself upon the altar, expect my fire to consume you. And uh, and I just I came back renewed and refreshed, and so that was really cool to get to do that. Um, but we've been in the series called Eyewitness. And the idea is that God is still preaching his gospel. He is still writing his gospel through our stories today, through our testimonies. We talk about testimony, and I think we make it way too complicated. And uh, week one, we talk about all the things that a testimony isn't, right? You guys remember those? It's not like your whole life story, like I was born in Indiana, and then I moved to Wisconsin, and then, you know, all those things that we tell. Um, and it's also, you know, it's not, um, you know, we were unlearning some things like, you know, who, who cares what your past looked like, right? Um, you know, each one of us has a story with Jesus. And then week two, we heard from Savannah. She taught us what a testimony is. Our testimony is our story with Jesus. That's it. It's that simple, guys. It's that simple. And so... Um, you know, for those of us who've been Christians since we were born, right, uh, um, maybe you felt 
well, my story isn't worth telling because I don't have that crazy conversion experience like some of these folks have. And, and, and I would just argue against that. And I would say, man, you have way more chapters to your story with Jesus. So you have more to tell. And, um, and so that was so good. And, and we've been looking at the woman at the well and her experience with Jesus and then she goes and she tells her testimony to this town and a lot of the people come out and they get saved and her testimony was 11 words like that's a paradigm shift right like man you mean I don't have to have everything figured out and and know theology and be able to answer all these questions to be able to share my story with Jesus and and I would say no not at all in fact, maybe if you leave that kind of stuff out, you might have a, a, a more effective story to tell because it's relevant and it's hitting it at exactly what the Holy Spirit's burdening your heart for. Uh, we three, we heard from Jeremy, right? That was a great message. He talked about how God uses people in our lives to, to, to preach the gospel to us, right? Um, we've come to Jesus, and, and uh, if, if, you, if you have a relationship with Jesus, that didn't happen in a vacuum, right? God uses people to draw us to him. And the, the challenge there was who are you going to be that, um, you know, Paul was that for Timothy, right? Um, and Ananias was that for Paul, right? And it's like who are you going to be that for? Who are you going to be that encouragement for? Tonight... Um, we're going to cap this message off. And by the way, it was awesome last week to hear your guys' testimonies. Um, that was just a blessing to my heart. I was thinking about it. And a uh, special time of just worship and just real, raw, authentic time together. So that was good. Thank you, guys. Um, that was last week. Tonight, we are going to um, talk about sharing our testimony. You guys ready for that? Sharing is caring. Did you guys know that? You learned that when you are in elementary school, sharing is caring? Um, so, oh, you learned it in high school? Is that what you said? No. Oh, okay. All right. Um, all right. So we're going to jump in really quickly. I'm not going to talk for very long because we have some stuff uh, to get into. But um, I'm going to jump right into our passage that, we, that has been our foundation since the beginning of this message. And that's John, 1 John 1, 1 through 4. Okay. I'm going to read this really quickly, and then we're going to take a couple things from it that apply specifically to tonight. Verse 1, we declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eye, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This life was revealed, and we have seen it and testified to it and declared to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So a couple of things really quickly that, that apply to the idea of sharing your testimony, sharing your story with Jesus. Um, I love, it, you know, it, they just simply shared their story, right? They didn't have to package it with all this extra stuff. And I don't know about you guys, but that's like super encouraging for me. One of the major reasons I didn't share my testimony for a long time was because 
I thought, you know, as soon as I say something, they're going to ask me all these questions about arguments for the existence of God and all these different things. And the reality is, especially with, with what John is saying here, he's saying, look, all we're proclaiming to you is these things that we have seen, that we have touched, and that we've heard. That's all they're proclaiming. It's not some deep, developed, theological um, you know, argument, and, and Paul is amazing. He's like a genius, but sometimes I, I feel like, um, you know, he, he goes on these progressive arguments that go for chapters and chapters and chapters, and that's great. He's talking to Christians. I get it, but my point is, is that, man, when we're sharing our story, it's almost like less is more, right? The less, the less we share, the, the more um, that the person maybe has time to interact with it, Right, it's relevant. So listen to the Holy Spirit there. Um, but what is all this evidence for? This is something I was thinking about. So um, the idea here, the the legal language, is that um, this testimony, right, like we see in the court of law, it is evidence. It stands as evidence. And the question is, what does it stand for? Why are we proclaiming? Why are we witnessing? Why are we sharing a testimony in the first place? Is it um, to prove that Jesus can work miracles? Is it to prove that he's like a good teacher? No. The point of us sharing our testimony is because it stands as evidence that he is exactly who he said he is. It's evidence that Jesus is exactly who he says that he is. And we see in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, Paul is talking about how, like, if Jesus did not raise from the dead, then our faith is futile. Our faith right here, what we're doing, pursuing a relationship with Christ it's only happening if Jesus rose from the dead. And, and Paul is saying, because he did, we have relationship with Jesus. And so that's what we're doing. That's why we share our story with Jesus is because it establishes, yes, that he does work miracles in our lives. He is redeeming our lives. He is making us new but more and more than that is that because he has worked these incredible miracles in our lives, yes, he rose from the dead, and yes, he is exactly who he says he is. And that's like, I love Vince Lombardi. He was known for being, you know, his, uh, I think his pregame thing was like he'd pick up a football and say, this is a football, right? That's the, that is the basic of the basic of what we're doing here is that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and because of it we have life and we could be excited about that and because of that our life is different, it's changed, God is working in and through us and we can tell the world about that. So we need to know the why and the how of sharing our testimony. We need to know the why and the how. That's really where I want to land tonight and I just want to share, if you don't know the why, or sharing our testimony, if you don't know the why, then the how will always seem too big. If you don't know the why, the how is always going to be too big of an issue. Right, think about a mountain, right? Anybody in here ever climb a 14er? Right, you get up to like 12,000 feet and like, um, you know, you can't breathe and your legs are spent and you just want to turn around and it's like that last three-mile climb to the top. 
and it's, it's wretched, right? And, and it's like at that point, why you need to be on the summit is tested. And if you're not like sure about why you want to be up there, why you want to climb that mountain, why you want to summit that mountain, you're going to turn around. And, uh, and so that's, let's talk about that a little bit tonight. Um, so a lot of you guys know my story. Um, this is just a part of it. But when I first met Jesus in 2011, um, I was coming out of a really long, like decade-long addiction to alcohol. And um, it, it brought me to a place where I was, just, I was just at rock bottom. My life was falling down around me, and I didn't know what to do. I was losing my mind. And all of a sudden, I surrendered my life to Christ. And I started seeing him, like, working in my life. Okay, he's, like, rearranging the furniture in my heart, right? He's making me a new person. He's changing things. And... Um, I was living in this house with a bunch of guys, and they're still going to the bar, and they're still hanging out, and, and you know, they're calling me, and they're like, dude, let's go, come on, and um, yeah, that was my hang-up. My hang-up was that as Jesus was powerfully rearranging and transforming my life from the inside out, it had only been weeks since I had been hammered at the bar with all my roommates. And so as he was doing this, and I was excited, and I wanted to tell them about what was going on, that's the thing that kept hanging me up. That's the thing that kept, you know, shutting me up and stopping me from sharing with them what I was so excited about. And I stayed in my room all the time. I had my door closed, and I was just, I was reading all these books. I was reading all these books about what God was doing in my heart. And, and rediscovering who I am with him. And, and they thought I was depressed. And they were like, they came to me and they said, dude, we're just really concerned. We love you. And like, you're locked in your room all the time. And I was just like, oh. I was like, if you only knew, I'm like excited and I feel alive for the first time in my life. I just want to tell you what's going on. And I shared with them. And they were like, we knew. We knew something was way different. Because your, your behavior was saying all of it to us. We knew something was way different. All of a sudden, you know, you're not that guy who's, you know, the, the, the person who's fallen all over the place and passed out and all of that. So I finally got to share my story with those guys. And um, it wasn't just a few months later. Uh, they were moved out, and I was on my way to Colorado to start Bible school. And uh, I thought that I was leaving those guys in my past, even though they were dear friends. And uh, I just couldn't be in that same context of life that they were in, right? And uh, God brought me out to Colorado, and, and things changed, and I began to serve him and, and, and all of these things. So um, we're going to come back to that story in just a moment. But... Uh, I want to leave a couple of things with you before we jump into this about sharing your story, things that I think are tangible that you can take away with you. And number one is timing is everything. Timing is absolutely everything. Um, there's this really old guy named Francis Schaefer, not Francis Chan. Um, this guy was way before Francis Chan. Uh, Francis Schaefer. 
he talks about this thing called the line of despair. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm trying to explain it to you. It's like a philosophical kind of a thing. It's the realization that there are there is incongruence between the paradigm with which you believe the world is ordered or disordered and what you actually see in it. Okay, this is a depressing thing. This is a, a scary thing when you think the world works a certain way and then something happens and you have a paradigm shift and all of a sudden you realize it doesn't work that way. Francis Schaeffer says that is when we go below this thing called the line of despair. And what he taught, what he teaches in his books is that, you know, this is really the thing that moves us in the direction of a particular worldview. It's like us seeing how the world works. It makes sense. And so we kind of move toward believing or subscribing to that particular system, that worldview, that way of viewing the world around us. And it's really what makes some of us question the logical consequences of our presuppositions. Okay, so if you think about this, if, if the world is nothing but material substance, okay, if it's nothing but material substance, then how do we explain things like love, right? How do we explain some of these things that just don't seem to fit so well inside of this worldview? So these kinds of things push us into asking those kinds of questions. What are the logical consequences of our presuppositions about this world around us and how it works? I'll tell you a quick story. There is a, um, an 18th century um, haiku poet in Japan. His name was Isa. And through a succession of really sad events, his wife and his children died. And grieving each time, he went to the Zen master and he said, can you explain to me what's going on? And the Zim masters are like, look, look, life is vapor. It's dew. It's like the morning dew, right? It's there. The sun comes up and it's gone. And then another person in his family died. And he comes back to the Zen masters and he's like, guys, can you please help me make sense of this? My heart is broken. And they're like, look, life is dew. The more attached you are to this and to people and to things, the more you're going to be heartbroken. And he's like, that just doesn't make sense. And another family member died, and he goes back to the Zen masters, and he's like, what is going on? And they said, look, life is dew. It's transient. It's ephemeral. The sun rises, and the dew is gone. It's it's so too is suffering and death in this world is an illusion. So the mistake is becoming too engaged. Remember, the world is due. Be more detached and transcend the engagement of mourning that prolongs the grief. So Esau went home unconsoled and he wrote this. The world is due. The world is due. And yet, and yet. It's clear that no matter how many times the Zen master tried to convince him that life was meaningless, life was simply vapor, his heart knew. It's like something was embedded in it. He knew that there was something more. 
And here's where he found himself in this place, this below the line of despair, uh, that moment where we say to ourselves, maybe the world is not as I thought it to be or not as I believed it to be. And see, the problem is about sharing our testimony with people is that, um, and, and this is from Oz Guinness and Fool's Talk and, and Francis Schaefer have, have said this, is that oftentimes we approach them as if these individuals are above the line of despair. We, excuse me, below the line of despair, we approach them as if they're in this place of openness and questioning and unfortunately, we live in a post-Christian culture, and so many are just not open. And so timing is everything. And I think um, as we think about this, the idea is to build relationships. Are you the kind of person that always has to win the argument, or you've got to say the cool thing, or you've got those apologetic responses memorized so that you could try to, you know, wax philosophic about the Kalam cosmological argument and talk about crossing an actual infinite? It's crazy. When instead we should love on them, prioritize the relationship. And there will be that moment, there will be that moment in their life where they drop below the line of despair, they're questioning what they believe to be true about life, and they're going to call you. And that's when they're going to invite that opportunity for you to share your story with them. Timing is everything. I have a cousin, and it's been really sad. He, he um, He's openly homosexual, and... and um, uh, some of our family has decided that they wanted to engage in all of these arguments with him. And uh, and they no longer have a relationship with this guy. They no longer have a relationship with this guy. But, I, you know, like, you know, without, without tr- with treading lightly and prioritizing the relationship and not feeling like, man, I've got to hammer home this argument. Like, he and I still have a relationship. He and I still have a relationship. And my prayer is that he's going to invite that conversation one day where we get to talk and we get to, we get to, we get to share with each other, like, you know, what, what my paradigm is and what his paradigm is and, and maybe invite to share my story a little bit with him. Number two is shape culture. Shape culture. I'm going to read a story in Acts 17 really quick. That's one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. It's a little bit long, but bear with me. Um, We're going to start in verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating for foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him into a meeting of the, uh, of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting. 
you're bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. This is what they did at the Oropagus, was they shared political, religious, all kinds of ideas. It, it was kind of like a, a, a TED Talk, if you will, of, of, our, of our culture. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Oropagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are a religious people. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. There's that word proclaim again. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He is not served by human hands and if he needs anything and, and as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all nations and they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appoint, appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. What's amazing about this story is... Um, you know, Paul didn't rush in there saying, you're pagans. He didn't rush in there saying, like, you know, judging them with fire and brimstone and you guys are going to hell and, and uh, you're all, you don't know what you believe and blah, 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 blah. He, he found a platform that was massively influential on that culture, which was the Oropagus, right? They, that was the place where people come and they're open to ideas. And he came there. And he shared the gospel, but he didn't say, you know, he, 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 he kind of, he enveloped it, he packaged it in a way that was going to be relevant for them. He said, here is a statue to the unknown God. They had so many statues to so many gods, and they said, look, we want to cover all of our bases. We don't, there's got to be one out there that we're not remembering. So, or maybe we don't even know his name. And so let's make a statue to that God. And Paul comes in and he says, look, you made the statue. I'm telling you about this God. I'm telling you his name for the first time. And they're listening. And it's beautiful because he goes on to talk about how people were open to what he had to say. They weren't just shutting him down and kicking him out. Andrew Fletcher said, and I, I've used this quote before, I've talked about it a little bit. He says, let me make the songs of a nation, and I care not who writes its laws. Let me write the songs of a nation, and I care not who writes its laws. What he's saying there is that artistic expression today in our culture, artistic expression subverts culture. It influences culture. It changes culture. It shapes culture. Artistic expression is our, our platform of ideas these days. It's where we preach messages. It's where we, we speak theologies low-key and songs in, in our art. 
What I love about Francis Schaeffer is he said, man, engage in art. You can see throughout history. It started in philosophy and then it invaded um, um, the, the artists um, during the Renaissance. And then it went into music. And, and he talked about how these ideologies bleed into culture. And it's through artistic expression. It's through song. It's through poetry. It's through art. What are the major influencers of our culture today? There's others. There are absolutely others. I think about TED Talks. TED Talks are, are very influential. How can you share your story in a creative way, in a thought-provoking way today? What is a platform that maybe you could ask God to open a door on, that you can... You can um, engage with to really uh, impact the community. As the band comes up, I just want to come full circle. I talked about my roommates that I lived with and I left and I went to Colorado <laughs> and I didn't look back. And we kept in touch throughout the years. And um, In fact, we had this t-shirt. It was called Ben Ron Don Brewing Company. <laughs> that was our T-shirt for all of us roommates. It was Ben, Ron, Don, and me. Anyway, um, Ben, Ron, Don, me. That's what it was. Something like that. Anyway, so I come to Colorado. I come to Colorado. I'm serving God, and I get a phone call one day, and um, it's Donnie's girlfriend. And she said, uh, by the way, we both accepted Christ, and we're going to get married, and we want you to come out and officiate our wedding. And, um, and then, I don't know, to me it was just so powerful to know that this guy had accepted Christ. I didn't know that, actually, until she shared that with me. And... Um, and it was a real joy and, and honestly a, a, an honor to be able to officiate their wedding and to see these guys. I mean, I remember, I mean, you guys know, like, if you've partied before, like, you remember those people that you party with and, and the state that you're in. It's so sad. But to be able to stand and, and see him and his wife join in marriage and, and profess the name of Jesus Christ over their marriage was beautiful. And then Ron... Ron was one of our other roommates. I found out when I got there for the um, for the, uh, the the wedding, the dinner that you have before the wedding. I was talking with him, and I found out that he's actually getting ready to be a youth pastor, and that he accepted Christ also. I just share that because timing is everything. Let your life preach the gospel. When necessary, use words. I love that quote. The timing is everything. Sometimes people aren't open to it. Prioritize the relationship. One day it's going to happen, and they're going to reach out, and you're going to be the person that they call because you have that relationship with them. And number two, never underestimate your ability to shape culture. Never underestimate your ability to shape culture. We you see this, right, in our music. Think about the songs that we listen to and the people that wrote them and 
you have a voice also. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to recap, or we already recapped a little bit about what testimonies are, what they're not. And here's what I want you guys to do. We're going to have kind of a response time. Okay. Um, Tech is going to play some some instrumental music lightly. And uh, I want you guys to take all the time that you need, um, but maybe like, you know, five or ten minutes. But come up, grab one of these blocks. We have paint pens. We have Sharpies of all different colors. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to write your story on the block. Now, you're like, well, that's not very much room. Right. That's the idea. Right? Maybe you write different names of the people that have influenced your life. Maybe you um, write uh, 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 that time that God just, man, he sent you that, that check or something, and it right, was when you had to pay your car payment or something. And, and uh, you know, whatever it was, whatever your story is, whatever those moments, those God moments are, those moments that stand as evidence that Jesus is exactly who he said he is. And then what I want you to do is, once you're done, I'd love for you to bring it back up to the table. Bring your block back up to the table, and uh, we'll see what happens together. But I just want to encourage everybody, if you're here in this room, I don't care if you're up on stage or, or down here, I want to encourage you to take the opportunity to participate in this. If we all do, it's going to be great. And um, I believe God is still preaching his gospel through our stories together. Father, I thank you for um, this time together. I thank you for this community of young adults. I thank you for the ways that you're challenging us. We've been on this journey the last few weeks of stripping away some of the things that we thought we knew about testimonies. God, I've been there. I've been there where I talked for an hour and a half and told every single detail of my life and blew the person out of the water and God, some of that's been kind of tough. God, we just want to represent you the best way we can. Just like your Holy Spirit inspired the authors of your word to to write. God, we want to represent your gospel in our lives, living and breathing right here, right now. Holy Spirit empowered. We want to represent your gospel the best way that we can in a way that is just culture-changing, culture-shifting. Father, that, that um, you know, the people around us in our lives, there's a relationship that's strong, that when they hit that line of despair and they're questioning everything they thought they knew about life, that they're calling one of these people in this room and they're saying, can you please Tell me truth. God, help us to uh, just recall those moments as we engage with this together. In Jesus' name, amen.